Christ. Um, we saw the law of God, uh, how it starts basically in Genesis. Uh, the law of God does not start on Mount Sinai. Uh, that's what we would say the law of Moses uh, begins on Mount Sinai, where many things are given to Israel, but the law of God uh, begins even before that. Uh, so we looked even before the the, ten, uh, the Mount Sinai. We saw uh, God giving different commands and things, and then we came to the New Testament, uh, looking at the New Testament, because obviously there are many people that say, well, we're in the New Testament now, we're in the church age, therefore we're not under the law, Right? We're under grace, right? Isn't that the time period we're in? We're under grace, right? So we're not under the law, right? Um, is that a true statement? We're under grace. We're not under the law. Is that a true statement? Well, it all depends on how you define it. I mean, it can be a true statement, right? If I define law as the law of Moses that was given to Israel, then I would say, yeah, we're not under that, right? We are under grace, if we just say the law of God, then no, that's not a true statement, right? Um, and so again, it really depends on how you define that statement. Are we are just under grace, you know? Um, and of course, there are many people that uh, are, you know, well, we're under grace, we're not under the law, so we don't have to follow anything from, from the Old Testament and things like this. Um, and again, that's why it's important that we understand the law of God was not just given to Israel. The law of God was given to all mankind, right? So it doesn't matter whether it was given to Israel on Mount Sinai. Yes, the Ten Commandments were given to Israel on Mount Sinai, but they were also given before that to mankind, right? Not just to Israel, okay? Um, And so, of course, we understand that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law, right? Uh, Galatians 6, 2, uh, Christ is the fulfillment of the law, um, but at the same time, we also understand that we're not without law, okay? Um, and again, Romans chapter 2, we'll just kind of go back and look at this verse real quick. In Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2 and verse number 15, well, let's go back to verse number 14. He says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So again, God shows us that the law of God is written in our hearts, right? God's law is written in the heart of men, okay? And that's why he says even back in chapter 1, uh, in verse number 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, right? Every person knows that there is a God. God says he's put that in every person's heart, that there is a God, okay? There is no one that can truly say, I did not know that there was a God, Because God says he's put that in every person's heart. He says, even the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they're without excuse. So God says everybody can see that there is a God, right? Um, Everybody can understand that. But not only does everybody know that there is a God. Now, again, let me just, that doesn't mean that they know who God is. They know there is a God, right? Right. who God is, that's why we have the Word of God. God tells us who He is. Without God's Word, we wouldn't know who God is. Okay? Uh, we wouldn't know what He's like. We wouldn't know what He desires, right? So that's why we have God's Word, right? But God also says that He has placed this law in their heart, 
right, in Romans chapter 2. That's why we know. Um, It doesn't matter if you're uh, a believer or an unbeliever, as we've seen in Scripture, right? Um, You know, the world knows stealing is wrong, right? The world knows murder is wrong, right? Um, The world knows, uh, you know, adultery is wrong, even though, you know, again, the world's trying to change all these definitions, right? Uh, Trying to change it to what they want, but it's wrong. We know it's wrong. Why? Because God has put it in our heart, okay? Um, And so this is what we're looking at. So if we're under grace now and Christ is the fulfillment of the law, then, then are we not under law, right? And so as we come to the New Testament and we look and see, of course, Jesus speaks and he basically says, uh, that there's basically what we would say the law of Christ is two commandments, right? What are the two commandments of the law of Christ? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What's the other one? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, right? Um, I mean, that's, that's really all the, the only two commandments that we need are those two, Okay. Uh, obviously everything comes out of those two, but that's, that's it, right? The law of Christ there. Um, and so when we look through the New Testament, do we find, again, this law of God? We're not talking about the law of Moses, and uh, we're not talking about you know, what you can and what you can't eat, and you know, um, you know, not you know, doing all the things that they were commanded, the sacrifices and all of that. But do we find the law of God in the New Testament? Not the law of Moses, right? Again, you're still going to see aspects of the law of Moses because you still have the Jews there, right? Um, But do we see the law of God in the New Testament, right? Because if, if the law of God is something that is for all mankind and it is for all time, then we shouldn't just see it in the Old Testament. We should also be able to see it in the New Testament as well. Now, if we can't find it in the New Testament, we've got a big problem. If it's not in the New Testament, then is it really for all time? Is it for all man? Okay. So do we find the law of God? Again, when we think about the law of God, we can some, sometimes we can kind of bring that back to what we would call the Ten Commandments. Okay. Um, because, again, we can find those... We can find those Ten Commandments even before God gave them to Israel on Mount Sinai. Okay? But can we find them in the New Testament, or what we would say now this church age or the age of grace? Now that we're under grace, people say, well, we're not under the law, so that means we can just live however we want. No, that's not what the Bible says. But can we find the law of God in the New Testament? Okay? Can we find the law of God in the New Testament? Or as we're saying, these, these Ten Commandments, can we find them in the New Testament, right? What do we think? Yes? Hope so? <laughs> Maybe so, right? All right. All right. Can anybody give an example of where we can find them? Right, Mom? Ephesians 6 2, honoring your parents, honoring your father, Ephesians 6 2, right? Isn't this like the number one verse that? Christians teach their children, right? As soon as they can, you know, even before they can start talking, right? Children, obey your parents, right? Yeah, this is what he says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth, right? So would we not say that as, you know, even after, after Christ, even though Christ is the fulfillment of the law, right? After Christ, even though we are in the age of grace, 
Would we not say that children are to obey and honor their parents? Would we not say that, parents? (laughs) Oh, well, then you're putting your children under the law. Yeah, absolutely. The law of God. Right? We're not talking about the law of Moses. We're talking, this is the law of God. This is how it's always been this way, right? This isn't something new. When Paul says this in Ephesians, this isn't, wasn't some, some new revelation to the church, right? It wasn't some new revelation. Oh, we've never heard this before. No, this is, this is, it's always been this way, right? So, yes, we have, uh, what is that? The, uh, is that the fifth? Yeah, the fifth commandment of honoring your father and mother, right? Okay. Can we find any others? Yeah, Miss Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. So when Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, um, you know, uh, even in uh, Matthew chapter 4. When, um, when Jesus is being tempted by Satan, what does he say? He says, uh, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve, right? So Jesus affirms that there is, we are only to worship God, okay? Um, so let me, let me kind of throw a, and I, I'm, I totally agree with what, what she just said, but let me kind of throw, throw a wrench in that, okay? Anybody want to know the, anybody know the wrench that I'm going to throw in that? What's the wrench I'm going to throw into that? There you, there you go, right? The New Testament, that the age of grace begins after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus says all of these things before his death, burial, and resurrection, right? So, again, I totally agree with what she just said, right? Jesus affirms it, right? Which, again, he's affirming it, right? But at the same time, if we, want to be, if we want to be particular about it, there are those that will say, well, that was still Old Testament. That's still Old Testament. So can we find it in New Testament? So after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, can we find, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only, shalt thou serve? Can we find that in the New Testament after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yes, ma'am. Acts 5, Acts 5, 28 through 30, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance of, uh, to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Okay, um, So yeah, it talks about Jesus, right? We're, we're to obey God rather than men. Okay, um, Right? Any, anybody else? Maybe? Yes, ma'am. Ah, that's one I had down. Very good. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 6. Uh, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him, right? So there, there's one God, we are to worship, there's, there's no other God, right? There's one God, that's who we're to worship, right? The Godhead, okay? Um, how about also, 
First uh, Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two. Uh, what about verse number five? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Right? What are we finding? Even through the New Testament, they're saying, "Hey, there's only one God that we're supposed to be worshiping." Right? Um, we're not we're not to be going after other gods. In fact, many of the times when you read, like First Corinthians and Ephesians, and uh, many of these places where Paul has to deal with um, these believers that are coming from backgrounds of worshiping false gods, like what we're looking at in Ephesians, where they were worshiping the goddess Diana, right, and, and all these other different gods. Um, as we said, you know, in Athens, it was said that you could it was easier to find a god than a man. I mean, they just had gods for everything, right? Um, and so even in the New Testament, we find, hey, that first commandment, we are to worship the Lord thy God and him only, right? No other gods before him, okay? Right? Good. Very good on that one. Um, what about any of the others? So we've got the first commandment, not, uh, we're not to worship any other gods. We've got the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, right? How about any others? For which? Okay, First Timothy one. First Timothy one nine and ten. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy, profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. He kind of gets a lot of that in there, doesn't he? Right? Uh, so, yeah, think about it. He says the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. Again, if you don't ever break the law, you don't have to worry about breaking the law. If you don't break the law, you don't have to worry about the punishment of the law. Right? Because, again, the law is not for a righteous man. The law is for a wicked person. Right? That's why the law is there. Okay? And this is what he says. That the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, ungodly, for sinners, for unholy, profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. Why do we have to have a law that says don't murder? Because there are people that will murder. There are people that will kill, right? Why do we have to law, have a law that, that says we are um, you know, not to steal? Well, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be other things, right? Um, I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, even, you know, if you think about it, whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, that would be like sex trafficking and things like this. It's, a, it's against God, right? Um, and so, again, very clearly here, right? The Sixth Commandment, do not murder, okay? Um, very clear there, um, right? Anybody else have any other? Uh, aver- the Tenth Commandment. Okay, Luke chapter 12, 14 and 15, 13, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. He said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider of you? 
Uh, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Right? So covetousness, right? We're not to covet the Tenth Commandment. Okay? Um, all right? Throw, throw the wrench in there again. What's the wrench? Right? This is still before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, again, Jesus is affirming it. Right? We're seeing his affirmation of these things. Okay? So would we be able to find this after the death, burial, and resurrection? Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right? So in verse number 5, be content. Right? Um, don't we're not to be covetous. Be without covetousness, right? Um, how about also uh, Colossians 3, 5? Colossians 3, 5. He says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Right? So I think we can say that the Tenth Commandment is very clearly given throughout the New Testament. Okay? Um, even if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, dealing with the... Um, or excuse me, uh, where were we at just a minute ago? Um, what was the commandment that you were just talking about, Dad? Oh, adultery, yeah, adultery. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hebrews, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous. Uh, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So again, Paul puts quite a few in here, right? Not just adulterers, um, but even there's covetous, right? The covetous, um, idolaters, right? Adulterers, uh, fornicators, effeminate, right? Uh, all kinds of things that Paul puts in there, okay? And what was the other verse you said? Hebrews 13.4. Uh, Hebrews 13.4, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Okay? Um, right? So we see adultery, right? That's the, um, the seventh commandment. Okay? So we've seen the first, we're not to worship any other gods. Uh, the fifth, honor your father and mother. The sixth, not to... Um, uh, did we look at the sixth? No. Seventh, not to commit adultery. The tenth, not to covet. Okay? All right? So we've looked at kind of four. Brother Marlon? Okay. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, dealing with the, the eighth commandment do not steal. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth, right? 
So again, again, that's pretty clear. Let him that stole steal no more, right? We're not to be stealing, okay? Um, and that's just not possessions, right? Um, that you can steal all kinds of things, right? You can steal time from people. You can steal possessions, um, okay? So he says, do not steal, right? We're not supposed to steal. That's good. Any, any other ones on not stealing? No? Good? All right. Um, what's another one here? Oh, there we go. Yep. In verse number 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another, right? So not to bear false witness, okay? Um, not giving false testimony. We're not lying, okay? Um, let's see if there's, uh, let's see here. Um, you know, even in Revelations 21, it says, but the fearful and unbelieving, abominable, murderers, Whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth uh, with fire and brimstone, right? So again, there's the uh, lying, um, bearing false witness, okay? All right. Um, what others would we find? How about, um, how about the second commandment? Anybody want to give a shot at the second commandment? Not making idols, right? Not only are we not supposed to worship any other gods, but he says we're not to make graven images. We're not to make idols, Right? Do you want to give a shot out at that one? About idols. Mm. Yeah, very good, right? Keep yourselves from idols, right? Okay. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Um, flee from idolatry, right? 1 Corinthians 10... Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry, Right? Um, what about there in, uh, in Acts? Let's see if I can find it here. First Corinthians 10, 7, right? Um, neither be idolaters as were some of you, right? Um, right. So there's the idolatry there. Okay. Um, when you go back to, uh, Acts chapter 19, right? And verse number 23, the same time there arose no small stir about the way for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, uh, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, right? So you find um, this man making idols, and of course, um, the, the really kind of the judgment that God brings upon uh, them, and then of course those getting saved from it and bringing all of their uh, their idols and their books and their arts and curious arts and all that kind of stuff. They bring it and they burn it all, right? Um, so again, yeah, God's saying, hey, we're not to, not only are we not to worship other gods, we're not to make idols, right? We're not to bow down and worship idols, make any idols, okay? Um, how about um, 
the third commandment. How about not taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain? About the third commandment there. What do we say about that? Not taking the name of the Lord our God in vain. James? James 5:12 But above all things my brethren swear not neither by heaven neither by earth neither by any other oath but let your yea be nay your nay your yea <laughs> Let me start over there let your yea be yea and your nay nay lest ye fall into condemnation okay that's a good one right uh, not swearing by heaven or by earth right not you know um, you know well, I swear up I you know on the Lord's name right well don't I don't think we ought to do that, okay? Um, what else? Anybody else find one? Not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. First Timothy 4.12, kind of in the way that you live as well as when you speak, Right? Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Okay, um, in dealing with our lifestyle, right? Not, um, um, not bring reproach on the name of God through our the way we live. Okay, James two seven. James two seven. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? So they are blaspheming uh, the name of God, the name of Jesus Christ, right? Okay. Anybody else? How about First uh, Timothy six one? First Timothy six one. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their masters worthy of honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Right, so we're not wanting to blaspheme the name of God. Okay, uh, what about there in uh, I think is it Ephesians? Let me see. Um, um, in Ephesians chapter one, verse number twenty, he says, "Which he wrought in Christ." And when he raised from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, right? So if the name of Jesus is above every name, right, then it ought to be a holy name, right? We shouldn't use it um, to in vain. We shouldn't use it in a uh, slang, derogatory way, right? Uh, of course, again, it, to me it's very... It's very interesting how the only um, the only names in, uh, if we could say, in religion that are used as curse words is the name of God, right? 
the name of God, the name of Jesus, those are the only words in religious words that we would say that are used as curse words, right? Um, nobody says, oh, my Buddha, or oh, my Allah, or, you know, whatever. So why do we say, why would we use God's name in a slang derogatory word, oh, my God? Why would we do that? Isn't that bringing his name down, right? Or using the name Jesus Christ? I mean, his, his name is supposed to be holy. The name of God is supposed to be holy. It's supposed, the Bible says that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So why, especially as a Christian, why do we want to lower his name to just slang? And just, uh, you know, when I get mad, I'm going to use his name in a, as an anger. That's, that's not holy, right? That's not, uh, that's not lifting up the name of Jesus, right? Um, right? So not using the, the name of the Lord in vain. Um, let's see, what about the fourth? What about the Sabbath day? Um, you know, now that we are not under the law of Moses, are we still supposed to keep the Sabbath day? What about the Sabbath? Again, because I think you can find that goes all the way back to creation, right? Six days God created, on the seventh day he rested. Well, there's no Israel during this time, right? So to, can we find in the New Testament about the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath? Hebrews? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, really, the whole part of that, the whole first part of that chapter, verses one all the way through um, through eleven, uh, deals with uh, deals kind of with this. Um, if you go down to verse number nine, therefore, uh, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall upon the same example of unbelief. Okay? So again, he's using that example. As God worked six days, he rested. Okay? Um, there ought to be a day of rest. Okay? Uh, again, there's a lot more we can get into in, in that passage, uh, but I think we can see that that has that idea of that rest. Okay? Um, if you go back to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, right? In Colossians chapter 2, this is really speaking about Christ, right? Uh, Verse number 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, right? So Christ, uh, verse 12, buried with him in baptism, whereas also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and then verse 14, watch, having, uh, because of what Christ has done, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So there's the, what we would basically kind of talk about the law of Moses, the handwriting of ordinances, okay? They're put out of the way. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ, right? 
So he speaks of a couple things here. He says, um, you know, don't let anybody judge you in meat or drink. Again, remember how under the Jewish law there was only certain things they could eat, certain things they could drink. Uh, there was a lot of law under the, the Jewish system, right, under the law given to Moses. Um, and even the Sabbath day, right? You had uh, the Sabbath that was every Saturday, the last day of the week. And um, if you were here on Wednesday, I really don't know what day we're on or what day of the week we're at. I mean, I don't know anything anymore. After, after figuring out what they did you know, a couple hundred years ago with our calendar system, who knows what day it is today, right? I have no clue. Um, and if you're wondering what we're talking about, go back and listen to Wednesday's message, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, but in you know, the holy day or the new moon, right, there was a monthly Sabbath uh, or the Sabbath of days. There was a yearly Sabbath and then the weekly Sabbaths and all these different things. Um, so again, is, is it important? Again, do we see that example of God resting? Yes. And do we find that it is good to rest? Yes. Now, does it have to be the seventh day now? I don't think so. That's what he says. Let no man judge you in this, right? Um, now, should a person rest? I think so. I think God's clear on that. It's important for a person to rest. You can't just work, 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 work all the time and not, you know, you're going to get worn out. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to wear out. And so God says there ought to be rest. Um, does it have to be the Sabbath? No. Could it be a Monday? Sure. Could it be a Wednesday? Sure. You know, again, everybody's work schedules are different nowadays, right? Um, but I think it is important that somebody, that we take a day and rest, right? That's what God's showing us. We have that day of rest, okay? Um, so whatever day uh, we think that is, right? Again, um, there are many references to the Sabbath day in the New Testament, um, you know, including the assumption that Jews under the law in the time of Christ would be observing the Sabbath, right? Um, even Jesus himself observed the Sabbath while he was here on the earth, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, as Christians, it's not, there's no direct command that we have to worship the Sabbath, or we have to worship. We have to observe the Sabbath on Saturday. Um, but I think we do find it is important for us to rest. Um, in fact, that's what he even talks about. We're looking forward to that day of rest that we're going to have with Jesus Christ, right? So let me tell me, what is that day of rest? You know what that day of rest is that he's talked about there in Hebrews? I think if you look, you'll see that that's really referring to the millennial kingdom of Christ, right? There's going to be rest there. There's going to be peace, okay? Um, and so we'll have that rest there, right? Um, let's see, which ones didn't we get to? We did honor thy father. We did six, not murder. Did we get to all of them? Was that all of them? I think maybe we got to all of them. I think so. Good. Uh, so I think we can see that even in the New Testament, we find the law of God is still in place. It's still there. Okay. Um, the law of Moses? No, that's not there, right? Um, in fact, even when, and we might even get into a little bit of this later in the, the message this morning, but when the Jews tried to come to Antioch and say, hey, you have to keep the law to be able to to be a Christian, and they sent Paul and Barnabas back to Jerusalem, and they said, hey, what's going on? They're saying we have to be circumcised, we have to keep the law of Moses, and they said, wait a minute, and this was, this was Peter and all of the apostles, their response, right? Could our fathers keep it? No. Could we keep it? No. 
then why are we going to put something that our fathers couldn't keep, that we couldn't keep, and say, now you have to keep that as well? I said, that doesn't work, right? Um, now, there were certain things that they said, right? Um, avoid fornication, right? Again, that's, that's scriptural. Uh, there were certain things that they said, but the law of Moses, no, that's, that's not in play anymore uh, for, for us. We're not under the law. We are under grace, right? But that doesn't remove the law of God. It doesn't remove the law of Christ. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, right? All right, we'll have to stop there, and uh, we'll come up, come up with some questions for, for next week for you. All right, you are dismissed.